Hey guys, Darren here. This is the Supernaturalist podcast show. This show exists to connect, equip, and promote emerging supernaturalists on a global level. And I trust that's why you're listening, that it's your desire to see God's kingdom come, his will be done, established in your generation and through your daily contribution. It's such an honor to have you listening to the show today, and you are in for a real treat. This is a two-hour conversation literally recorded in the middle of the night with Charlie Champ. We talk about this stuff that you're not going to hear discussed on Sunday morning. Things like prophetic censorship, shadow banning, prophetic content that's banned from Facebook because it's not in agreement with Facebook's uh, preferences. We talk about attacks from people and principalities, stuff that Charlie's had to face due to the gravity of some of his most recent prophetic words. Charlie gets into some new specific foretelling for events in 2019, stuff that he hasn't talked about publicly yet. We talk about the Kavanaugh hearings and confirmation. We talk about the most recent bomb threats, the future of technology and artificial intelligence. We talk about obtaining breakthroughs for humanity from the spiritual realm, the positive sides of that, the negative sides of that. We also discuss Charlie's new book, Mystical Prayer that can be purchased at mysticalprayer.com. I love this podcast, but let me just say that this particular podcast is going to require some time. And I actually love the podcast platform for that reason. You can listen to this in the car on your way to work. And then when you get to work, you can unplug and plug in some headphones and listen to this podcast while you're on your way to your cubicle. At lunchtime, you can plug back in and listen to some more. But just want to make sure that you take your time with this particular podcast because there's so much here and I really think there's something here for everyone. But before we dive into this interview, just want to take a second or two to remind you to please rate and review this podcast on iTunes. As you know, um, ratings and reviews are the word of mouth for podcasts. That's what allows our content to stand out from the rest of the stuff that's being created. There's so much stuff that's hitting the net every single day that when you take a second or two to rate and review, it allows for our content to float to the top. It's how iTunes does their aggregation of podcasts. So many of you have already done this. And for all you that have taken the time um, to rate and review this podcast, I just want to give you a virtual high five right now. And I want us to Jump in the air as we high five. Are you ready? One, two, three. Hi, hi, hi. <laughs> that was awesome. All right. Last but not least, make sure you subscribe. When you subscribe to this podcast, whether it be on iTunes or SoundCloud, whatever your preference is, what that'll do is it'll allow for our weekly supernatural content to flow, to download automatically onto your streaming device. May it be your desktop computer, your tablet, or your mobile phone. So rate, review, subscribe, that'd be mighty fine of you. Without any further ado, let's dive into this interview with Charlie Champ right here, right now on the Supernaturalist Podcast Show. Let's go. Connecting, equipping, and promoting emerging supernaturalists Charlie Champ, what up? 
What's up, man? How's it going? Man, I'm excited to chat with you. There's so much happening right now, and um, and you're, you're doing so much, and there's so much happening just within the spirit and the prophetic, and so um, I'm, I'm super pumped just to dive into some stuff, man. Come on. It's been a good season, man. God's been moving some some you know attacks but god's blessing and and um you know the future's bright and we're somewhere like kim clement said we're somewhere in the future and we look much better than we do right now (laughs) and so i'm just going to stick with that because i believe in humanity i believe in the gospel and i believe that you know our greatest days are ahead It, it come on man absolutely and um and I love just your perspective and everything, especially just in light of what you've been through. And I, I, I shouldn't just say you. I mean, it's, it's you and your family, right? Like there's been, you guys have been in the fire. There's There's been all these crazy uh, attacks and things that, that, that have been coming your way, including a whole like blog and, and like a face a, a, a Facebook page kind of attacking you and your ministry. And so, um, uh, and what you did is you called for, people just begin praying, right? And as people begin praying, things begin shifting and changing. But um, so how are you doing with all that, man? Like, like, uh, how did that feel even in the spirit? Because I know it's one thing when people attack you um, with posts and, and tweets and that kind of things, but there's also oftentimes a, a counterattack that takes place in the spirit. So what's it been like, man, over the last couple of weeks and just this stuff that's been flying at you? Well, I knew that it was a spiritual attack. You know, like Paul says, uh, we'd wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. So I recognized that it was an attack, um, you know, that was sp- a spiritual one. And, you know, I had been through things in the past where there there had been like significant um, spiritual battle, battles where, you know, I had given a word and there was like, attacks on it from other nations but um this recent word that i had given about kavanaugh i believe was something that really sparked the enemy to um bring like a full assault upon me um you know not just in blogs but like even even physically and um so yeah that's where we've kind of been at yeah that was very significant um Let's dive into that real quick. So, kind of, kind of set that up for us. When the first, when the Lord first spoke to you about Kavanaugh and some of the stuff that was coming, right into the present, and um, just because the amount of warfare that was over that whole situation, and the amount of people that were praying, and then I mean, just the, just the crazy slander that was just coming out of nowhere that turned out to be completely false. I mean, bring us into just like the journey of a prophet from that moment of where the Lord kind of speaks to you and sheds light on what's to come all the way through that point of you battling in the spirit uh, that the Lord's will would be accomplished. Like if you could kind of bring us into what this journey has been like for the last, you know, um, 10 months. Yeah. I mean, looking at hindsight now, it's really interesting because like when the Lord first gave me the word, um, you know, here I, here I was in California and I'm just kind of praying one afternoon and the Lord starts to speak to me and he says that there's, there was a, um, a Supreme court justice from, uh, the state of California that was going to step down and that he would be replaced by what the Lord called a Samuel and this Samuel would come in and, 
you know, he would bring justice and there would bring uh, this whole thing of um, the righteousness back into the court system. And we released that on October the 15th in 2017. And then, of course, fast forward um, when I was with you, I believe, um, you know, earlier this year. I had went down after those meetings, after the camp meeting, and went and spoke on Elijah uh, Stream's television program with Steve Schultz. Mm. And he said, well, who do you believe Samuel is? And I point blank said, it's Kavanaugh. Brett Kavanaugh is is the, um, you know, is is Samuel. And that was all the way back in uh, February, right? At the end of, it, end of February, beginning of March? It was, it was whenever the, no, it was the camp meeting, I believe. And oh. so... Um, well, which was interesting because, um, you know, Kavanaugh, he's get, gets the, the conf- confirmation and everything. And then, um, you know, pretty much all that, cr- the, the, just wildness of his confirmation happens. And I was thinking back, like, to, back to declaration. Yeah. So we're talking just this last, we're talking this last August. Yeah, so I I have been saying yeah right. So I've been I have been prophesying. I said that it was Brett Kavanaugh, yeah. And then you know, of course, Steve asked me point blank on his program. He says, "Are you you know who is it? Who's who is this Samuel that you're talking about?" And I said, "Um, "It's uh, Brett Kavanaugh." And that was the first firstly that was the first time that you'd kind of gone public, right? With right, and then and then I said, "Firstly, Samuel, and then Deborah." So, so there's a woman that's coming next and, and, you know, so, but, but I said that this, this Brett Kavanaugh is coming. I said, it's a Samuel. What which, was he, was he like, was he like put back by that? Like, was he shocked when you said that or was he like, well, there had been other people that had said other things, you know, and I don't want to, I don't want to get sure, into sure, like what sure. other people had said, but there have been a lot of people that had said, you know, a woman is going to be elected. Uh, he's going to, you know, uh, you know, that there would be a man, then the man would step down and then the woman would come forth. And, right. and I said, no, 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 it's very clear. The Lord showed me wow. Samuel first then Deborah. Wow. And, um, so then in the midst of the attack of this whole thing with Kavanaugh, cause I knew there was going to be this assault against him. Um, I was up late one night and I said, Lord, I need to know a confirmation. I said, you know, this whole situation's going on and you want to have confirmation from other prophetic voices. Totally. And sometimes you can't find them. And so you can only have the word that you have to stand on and that's it. And um, so it was, I, I was going back through the prophecy and I said, what is the connection with Samuel? And um, interestingly enough, I started looking into the history of Brett Kavanaugh's life and everything. And one of the things that had been called into question was his uh, job that he had at Harvard. Mm. And they were saying in the news that he could, because of what they what was happening with him, that he could lose his job in Harvard. And so I went to Harvard, I went to the law school website, and I looked, and underneath his name was um, a, a kind of uh, title that he had been given called Samuel Wilston Lecturer at Law. <laughs> and, and that's when I knew that the Lord had told me 
here's the Samuel, but wow. here's the confirmation wow. is, is he was actually the only one at Harvard Law that was called Samuel Wilston Lecturer at Law, which Samuel Wilston, if you know who he was, um, actually was kind of the, um, I don't know what the right word would be. He, he, he taught on basically uh, contracts between, between two people. So in biblical standard, he would have been like covenant. someone that would have taught on covenant. <laughs> right, right. You know, wow. and so the Lord says to me, I'm cutting covenant within the nation of America. Kavanaugh is going to be confirmed and then call people to prayer. Wow. And so I, I did this after that night I had a vision. And this is where it gets really interesting, Darren, because I had this vision of him being confirmed. Literally hand on Bible, Trump there, his wife there. I saw the whole thing. Um, play out and the Lord wow. says behold the man and I was like okay behold the man he said this is what this is what what I see this is what I've called forth and he said but call the people to prayer and 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 he, God started speaking to me about this Leviathan spirit that was released against him as a twisting serpent but he said, go back to the word, look at the word again. And when I looked at the word, it said the reason that he that Samuel would be birthed into the Supreme Court is because Hannah, which is the bride of Christ, would birth him in. And that if they did not give up on prayer, that he would come forth. Wow. And so that's when I did the did the video um, that I don't know went viral, man, as far as I'm concerned, it has 150,000 views on that's YouTube. That's amazing. And I think like 100,000 views on uh, Facebook and, uh, that's incredible. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. So I don't know how far we, you else you, we want to go into this. Well, yeah. I'm curious, but I immediately called people to fast and pray is, is what happened. And then, um, during that whole thing, uh, during the, the hearings when they were just the coming after Kavanaugh with just everything, including these, just these crazy false allegations and everything. What, what was it? What was that like during that? I think it was like a, what was it? Two, like a two week period there. It was super intense. Um, so from where you, where you were at, you're praying, you're fasting, you're, um, you're creating these different videos and whatnot. But what was that like on the, on the other side of the camera, as far as what you felt like just the intensity of that, of that time when there was literally a battle in the spirit and in the natural for his confirmation. I had never felt the level of spiritual warfare that I felt for any prophetic word that I'd ever given as much as I felt for this one. And, you know, I called people to pray and fast along with me. And, you know, there was thousands of people that joined praying and fasting. And, you know, night after night after night, um, you know, I'm just up late praying seeking God about this situation, full fast, and just the spiritual warfare at that point was something that I had never felt in my, in, in, you know, all the years that I had been a Christian and let alone, um, regarding prophecy. And that's when I knew that the spiritual warfare for America is, at a boiling point at, 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 at right now. I mean, there we're standing in a place in American history as well as, uh, you know, world history that this nation in particular can go in one of two directions. And the battle for this country 
is unlike anything that has ever been before, in my opinion. Wow. And we're standing in the midst of that right now. And then he gets he gets confirmed. And then right. and then all of a sudden, um, this crazy storm. Uh, let, let's let's talk about that because you actually you actually saw, um, you saw all of this, right? So so this is what something that I haven't spoken publicly about, um, but the day that he was confirmed, right? So that Saturday, yeah, that he was confirmed, um, it was a relief, but at the same time. I had been, you know, I had been fasting. I was in the midst of doing some meetings in um, upstate New York. And immediately after he was confirmed, I felt like something came over my physical body that I never felt in my life. I uh, told uh, my father-in-law, I said, I need to go back to um, I need to go back to my room. And th- that's when, um, I mean, honestly, I didn't think I was going to wake up the next morning. Wow. I really thought that, I mean, I really, th- there was a, th- there was a spiritual attack upon my life and my physical body that I had never felt before. And did you, did I just, you, did you discern it at the time as spiritual warfare or were you, I knew, yeah, I wow. knew it was wow. because I've been, I have been, I had been under it for a few days, Wow! but then it was like, it was unleashed on me and, and I went back and, and I thought, well, maybe I can kind of get myself together. Cause I had to, I had to go to another meeting that night. Why? I just said, I'm not going to be able to make this meeting. And, Honestly, I, I I haven't spoken of it really publicly until we're chatting right now. Hmm. I mean, only p- people that know about it is my wife, really. I mean, as far as the intensity of the warfare that I didn't think I was going to, uh, you know, wake up, you know, the next day. I just thank God for his grace. Yeah. Because I was in a bad spot. And I knew it was spiritual, but I also it was on my it was on me physically. And, um, so, you know, and, and drawing into this, this word about the storm, right? Right. So January the 15th of this year, the Lord had spoken to me because, because I, I, you know, the year before that, God had spoken to me about the storms Mm -hmm. and he gave me specific details, man, about the different storms that were coming. Yeah. And we prayed through all of that. And then. Um, one particular uh, person spoke about how Houston had come under judgment. Right, right. And, and they'd used their kind of prophetic word or whatever to voice their opinion about it. Well, I had seen all those storms. And so the Lord spoke to me and said, tell, tell the people that it's, Houston is not under judgment and that the Houston Astros will win the World Series. <laughs> right. And it will be a sign of redemption come to the city of Houston. Wow. Because when it right. comes to prophecy, I'm I, I, I never uh I believe that God is a God of mercy, not of judgment. God isn't going around judging and destroying. He's into mercy come on. and he's into redemption. Right. You know, so 
That's always going to be my stance as far as, as it goes with the prophetic. But I saw this storm in January. We released it. I believe it was January the 15th. And the Lord spoke to me and said, this is the storm. This is the wow. storm that is going to come. And uh, this is what, what you're going to have to call the people to pray for. Now, what a lot of people may not remember, I mean, I released that word. And I mean, I called people to pray th- from January the 15th all the way through. Um, but the opening day of hurricane season, that storm with a different name actually came into that same area. Hmm. And and it downgraded to a um, to a tropical storm. So I thought, OK, well, there you go. Right, right. You see what I mean? Yeah, sure. I said, well, there it is. We, 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 it just came in as a tropical storm or whatever. And, and then, you know, right after the Kavanaugh confirmation, boom, here it comes. Wow. And so I think the big debate was basically, man, um, that from some critics would, would say, well, it wasn't, the storm came because I said the storm would be stopped. Right, I said right. Leviathan would be silenced. And, you know, I got to tell you, like, no one, uh, had, I mean, I can't say no one. I, I, that would be wrong of me. But to be honest, man, it was it was heartbreaking for me to see that storm because, I, I you know, um, you can say, you could probably say, um that I, I let me say it like this i would rather people say that i didn't pray than for people to to try to come out and say that it wasn't a word from the lord right, because the right. storm was that you got to understand the exact city that it would hit was named 10 months prior right that's, i mean a yeah, meteorologist can't do that so right, right. you can indict me. Just don't indict God and say it wasn't a word. Just say that I didn't pray. Because really, when you read the word, it just says, you know, that if my it basically if my people call to prayer, then they will be that the storm will be silenced. So I'm not against people like saying, well, he didn't pray because I was man. I was I prayed. But at that point. I was so gone, bro. I don't know what else to say. Like physically spent from this this thing with Kavanaugh, and it was devastating for me. And to watch that storm come in when I knew um, that I had had a word on it, it was very heartbreaking. And obviously, I'm going to have to stand before the Lord for that. You know what I mean? And just, and I don't, you know, I, you know what I'm saying? I, I don't know how else to, else to talk about it sure. other than to say that, I, you know, I have to talk to God about, about that situation because it's tough. It's tough. But I knew that it was a storm that was not sent by God. I knew it was a demonic storm sent from the enemy and was backlash. That's what I was going to say because that thing originated the day of his confirmation. Is that right? Yeah, it it pretty much got right in, like either either days before his confirmation, and didn't even make the news until after the confirmation of Kavanaugh. 
And it was this, and that's when I started putting it the two and two together because I realized here's this word about Leviathan the Lord had showed me about Kavanaugh, and then here's this storm that comes up, and boom, here it is. And I'm calling people to pray, and I'm going, Lord, you know, it, it, it was it was difficult. I just can't like the thing that baffles me is I just can't understand that anybody would 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 use that as an opportunity to bring an allegation against you or your ministry, right? Like, yeah, sure. You predicted the storm and sure you're accurate, but why didn't we <laughs> like, but why did this, the storm still persist when you said that it would like, like that seems like the kind of thing where people like the, the word is like, like there was, there was fulfillment of the word. The outcome was different. And you would think that that'd be the kind of thing where people would be impressed and go to the Lord to try to get, wisdom versus using that as an opportunity to attack you <laughs> right like it, it just it just baffles me man like it's just to try to use that. yeah and, and then yeah, the know. accusation of saying like and it's because you didn't pray like when you were obviously calling people to prayer and in this crazy intense fast and and then all this you know and that's why i think a conversation like this is actually really good because most people that listen to this are gonna be people that that love you and your ministry and your family but i think these kind of conversations are good because it um even though we already love you it allows people to see kind of the amount of responsibility um that the amount of gravity that you carry um as a prophet and as and as one who's not just releasing a word, but you're actually continuing to partner and uh, with the Lord to pray through the word to see that God's will is done, not just that the the future is predicted, right? And so I, I think that like just hearing the hearing the other side of what it's like to not just release a word, but to really contend with the Lord through the whole process. I think just your transparency is is really helpful as far as. Um, people's ability to really come behind you and to really pray and to cover you as well. Right. Well, I think that's what it's all about. Right. If we were, if we were to get just very transparent about the situation, who cares about if you get it right or wrong in the, I mean, if you're just looking for points to, because you got a prophecy, right. I think you're in the, in the, in the ministry for the wrong reason. Right. (laughs) Prophecy in the prophetic for me is the shifting and changing of nations wow. in humanity. Wow. Yeah. It's not about like, hey, check out my prophetic gift. If it was about that, then um, I don't think that, I don't even think the Lord promotes that, that, that kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? He's not in it. I'm not in it for that. What I'm in it for is, is like, what is God saying what is the purpose behind this prophetic word and then praying it through until it happens. And I've stood on some crazy things, man. I mean, me, you know, me and you walked through the whole president moon thing mm-hmm. for Korea and everyone was like, I got so many emails from people saying, you know, president moon was the worst thing that could have happened to, to South Korea ever. Right, right. And in my opinion, people, what God had shown me, I mean, right. Telling in, you that you were like prophesying against God's will by making that, that declaration. Right. But I knew what God had said, because I mean, that night, um, I was actually, you know, we were, we were at your church and, um, I went to go pray about it, and I saw it very clearly. 
that the moon would rise hmm. and reflect the sun. And I saw that whole word. And then the next night I delivered it at, at your, at, at a meeting at, at, at Seattle revival center. And I, and I thought people would be happy about it. Some people weren't, <laughs> right. but, but when we look at it now, we realize, no, it was actually, it was actually God's will that he won because look at what he's been able to do with, and people said, well, president, him and president Trump will never get along Well, him and president Trump have been very close and they're working on this whole thing with North Korea. And we've seen a de-escalation of North Korea, um, so far. Absolutely. Let's dive into that since we're chatting about it. So what are you, what are you seeing for, uh, for North Korea and the U S and just what, what do you think the trajectory of North Korea is? Do you think it's going to continue in, in like a positive trajectory or do you, do you see, um, something kind of yeah. changing here? Or? Yeah. Well, it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be good next year. Okay. Something's going to open up. Um, there's like a big shift that's going to happen in North Korea. One of the things that's going to happen is uh, is Kim Young Nam. Mm-hmm. I saw him being removed, and so when he's gone, the pol- the policy is going to shift. So you know, Kim 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 Young Nam is the is the head of state. Okay, I was he's been the head you, of state. I was going to ask since, you to kind of break that down a little bit. Yeah, for three gener for three for three um, you know Decades basically generations. Yeah, generation. wow. Yeah. And, and I saw him, I saw him being removed when he's removed, um, which I believe will be 2019 when he, when he's gone, then you're going to see a major shift happen in North Korea. And it's going to not, it's not that it's not, it's not going to be communist anymore, but it's going to go more towards the communism that we see in China as far as they're being a, a little more open for to letting Western Westerners come into to North Korea more. Wow. It's wow. gonna be a total a total shift. So so that that's what I'm seeing as far as North Korea is concerned. I don't like there's no major moves that are gonna happen further as far as negotiations, as far as the opening of North Korea until Kim Jong uh, Nam is gone. So when he passes away, when he's gone, that's when you're going to see a major transition happen in North Korea. And that's going to open up the country in a new generational way. And they're going to, it's going to be more towards, um, you know, building industry and structure within within the uh, continent of of Korea into that area of Korea, and opening North Korea up to, um, you know, more international trade in industry. Once he's once he's gone, that's exciting. That's really and exciting. I feel like and that's, I feel like it's going to be twenty nineteen. That's that's that awesome. He is literally going to like. You know, he's going to pass away. And once that happens, that's when you're going to see that total shift, um, you know, and and a whole new generation is going to rise up and it's going to be more of an open. Now, I'm not saying it's not going to be communist, but what I am saying is you're going to see it more of the communism that we see in China as opposed to completely being cut off and not really knowing what is going on inside the country. But this Kim, Kim uh, Young uh, Nam is, is the key. 
is what okay. the Lord has spoken to me. And I haven't said that anywhere except on here now. So and what, what is great- just recently that the Lord had shown me. Well, this is exciting, man. And it's also just another opportunity for us to really continue to pray um, for North Korea. Um, and to really pray over this word. And, um, you know, one thing that's actually really exciting, we were there in um, uh, in April of this last year with a team, and we went and visited the DMZ and the and the train station there at the at the DMZ. Do you know about that, that, that train station that's there? No, tell me about it. Dude, this is crazy, man. They, they built a, a brand new um, train station during the uh, Bush administration, during um, George W. Bush's administration, and they built it in faith because South Korea is um, a peninsula. And so North Korea blocks the South Koreans from getting into Europe, right? And so that means that the only way to get into South Korea is you have to fly, right? You have to fly into or boat, right? But you can't take a train. You can't take a car because you have North Korea that's blocking South Korea there on the peninsula. Wow. And so the South Koreans built a train station in faith that that border is going to open up and that that would they would you would be able to take a, a train from south korea anywhere into europe because the train stations in um all throughout europe going into you know uh uh you know even into russia and all, all through there uh, they're all connected they have this complicated an amazing train system so mm. we here 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 we were at this beautiful state-of-the-art train station that's never been used <laughs> and like and it's it's totally set up it's ready it's ready to go um once that border opens up and i just thought man that's such a powerful statement that a government right right would would build this 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 incredible thing in faith that that border is going to open up so this is pretty exciting so we have uh friends that are um uh rubbing shoulders with people of, of influence in in um within the government there in south korea and uh, they were just in Seattle, and I asked them what, what was happening there when it comes to the talks, you know, with, with North Korea and that border opening up. And what he was saying was um, that North Korea is allowing surveyors right now into North Korea, and they are doing all the surveying for that train track because mm-hmm. North Korea wants to open it up. Um, yeah. And so right now they're doing all the surveying and getting ready to start laying that track so that that train station um, can open up, open up. And I mean, I, when I heard that, I, I like something leapt in, inside of me. I just thought, man, this it's it's happening, right? For decades, nothing's been happening there. It's been horrible, right? Right. And but, right. but God is moving right now, and and so I, I, it. Yeah, man. So I'm in agreement with your word, bro, for 2019. That's really exciting. Yes. So this is the this is really like the linchpin is this Kim Young Nam. Hmm. And the Lord showed me that when he's removed, that's going to open up the floodgates. And that's going to open up commerce into North Korea. It's going to be the silence, basically the finishing point of one part of North Korea's history. And it's going to be a dawning of a new day for a new history in North Korea. And the passing of him is going to be like a marker point for this whole new um, thing opening in in Korea. So that's exciting. I'm praying into that. And, um, you know, I believe, you know, that Kim wants to see something fresh in his in, in North Korea happen. 
Mm -hmm, I believe he's a different kind of leader. And you know, that's something that me and Steve talked about as well on the show when I was with him, he asked me if I believed, um, that, uh, God wanted to save Kim. And I believe that God wants to save everybody. Sure, sure. No matter what they've done in their past, I believe in redemption fully. I believe Jesus paid for redemption. And so um, from that encounter that I had with Kim, um, I believe from that encounter where I saw him weeping, his sister weeping, yeah, that whole thing, um, that something changed in his heart from that moment. And now there's just people that are in that leadership there that are of that old regime and they're going to be, they're going to be removed. Now, this is just a great opportunity just to, I mean, I would, I would imagine the majority of people listening to this podcast are, um, are connecting with you, but perhaps you're listening to this right now and you stumbled onto this podcast. Maybe this is your first time listening and you're finding this very intriguing. I just want to right now, just um, direct you to destinyencounters.com. Um, if you go to destinyencounters.com, that's Charlie and Bryn Champ's website, and they have a very thorough um, page that they call the Prophet's Loft. If you go there, you're going to find you're, you're going to find pages upon pages upon pages of not just prophetic words, but actually um, fulfilled prophetic words. So not just predictions regarding the future, but all kinds of um, of uh, foretelling that uh, where the Lord has revealed the future to Charlie. Where where it already has come to pass, and I think that that's super cool because oftentimes, you know, oftentimes there's not necessarily a lot of um, uh, accountability when it comes to, you know, the prophetic and predicting future events. Like if if something doesn't happen, oftentimes there's not necessarily a lot of accountability there. But um, it's really cool to have um, an archive of of this kind of thing. So I just want to encourage people to go to, uh, again, destinyencounters.com, check out the Prophets Loft. And speaking of that, bro, so last week was um, huge, right, in regards to uh, one particular day. I think there was uh, seven bombs that were delivered to various locations. I think that's right. I I know that bombs continue to be delivered throughout the week. I think maybe even, I think even today there was... uh, another bomb or whatever that would that was that was mailed out but it was interesting because again this was actually something where um the lord spoke to you and kind of gave you a heads up that this that that this was happening um so so what did you actually see there man in in regards to uh, the bomb threat okay so um september the 28th i'm um praying and the Lord says to me, he says, he says, tell my people to pray against the weather underground. Mm. Another political storm is attempting to rise with violence and destruction in its wings. Mm. And so I release that. And if you know who the weather underground were, they were like an organization that bombed, um, you know, various places, uh, f- you know, basically because of, of politics and and um, the way that uh, they believed. So they, they were literally bombing places because of various political beliefs that they had and were kind of bringing destruction into the United States. And the Lord spoke to me and said there was going to be another, um, you know, weather underground it was like the same spirit was arising over America right now. Mm. And um, so 
So it's I kind of like a, people to pray it, for that. These guys are like domestic terrorists. These guys are like, yeah, yeah. And anybody that would kinda. be listening to the podcast could just easily Google the sure. weather underground and, and get all the information on it. I'm just trying to give them a, um, an overview of who they, who these, who these guys were. Totally. I, it, it's a total spirit. And, um, now it's what, unleashed. It's been unleashed on America. It's, it's here as a, uh, an attack of the enemy. And it's coming against people's minds, bro. It's a mind-binding spirit that is a t- it is it is causing people um, to to want to commit these heinous crimes and these murders and these this, this, the death and destruction, um, and it's all connected politically. So what do you think the intent was here? Because like none of the bombs actually went off. And I know the press was saying that that was because of the bomb makers incompetence. But do you think that that's actually what it was? Or do you think the bomb maker, like the organization, like they intentionally made these things so that they wouldn't go off? Or do you you think it was an accident? Or like, what do you think the intent is behind, behind this? And I know that there's even speculation regarding that this, this has something to do with the midterms and it's something to do like, with uh, there's a lot of accusation coming against President Trump, saying that he is he's the one triggering these attacks and, and stuff. So, do you have any sort of insight in regarding like like the well, the first thing would be regarding why the bombs didn't go off. I mean, do you think that was the grace of God that kept it, or do you think that that was the intent from the very beginning that it'd be just more of like a playing with people's heads? You know? No, I believe that it. I believe that um, it has to do with prayer. Okay. So I'm, I've been very, very, uh, point blank about like very transparent about that. Yeah. Um, I believe that the man was demonically inspired. Okay. I, um, called people to pray, pray. And you have to understand, I am not the first kind of person that is just going to flippantly put something out on the internet or sure. put out, um, a prophetic word for like for people to get clicks and shares. Right. right. That's just not who I am. Right. So if God's showing me something and I tell people to pray, just know that I'm praying. Like it's not, I'm not just sitting back and saying, let's figure out something that we can get a bunch of shares and views on. It's not what I, I'm not in it for this. Totally, for that. Totally, totally. So, I started immediately praying when the Lord spoke to me about it. And then, um, you know, on October the 10th, um, there was that man that had, had been caught by the FBI with the 200 pound bomb that was going to let it go on, um, on, uh, November the 6th on, in, um, uh, the Capitol building. Wow. And he was a left wing, uh, radical. Wow. And honestly, honestly, man, just speaking to viewers that are listening to this, this spirit doesn't care what political party or affiliation you're a part of, friends. They just want to see the destruction of the United States. Wow. wow. And so it, it's all about creating chaos, creating division, creating strife, and and, and, and bringing down, um, you know, freedom. That's what it's about. And and unless you realize that and recognize it, then you'll just be in a place of of supporting your party and not recognizing that this is a demonic spirit that is like coming on people's minds. You know? Absolutely. Yeah, you can totally see that, right? Just that spirit and how it's uh, in- infiltrating just everything right now. It's it's getting crazy. 
with the uh, with the midterms coming up, um, I imagine things are just going to be getting more and more um, heated. What are you sensing? What are you feeling in regards to the midterms? How how significant are are these midterm elections that are coming up uh, November six? And you know, how do you feel like we should be praying? Most historic midterm election in United States history. Wow! Wow! And um, without a shadow of a doubt, the bombs that were scheduled for for the uh, you know various people that they were sent to, that was done on purpose. And I pretty much kind of laid it out in one of my Facebook things, and then I also put it out there um, because so many people were coming out and saying. Hey, this is this some Democrat did this, <laughs> right? Right. Right. Yeah. So you probably heard that as well. Yeah, totally. And I told people, I said, no, it's it was a right a, a far right wing person, um, but let's let's just be completely transparent about it. Forget right or left. It is a, these people are in, are insane, demonically possessed. That's what it is. And and it's all about causing chaos and causing destruction. And I, I said if, that it wasn't that, you know, I mean, it's crazy what you hear on you see on the Internet, man. It's, it's bizarre. <laughs> but people were saying, oh, you know, these were planted by Soros and Hillary Clinton. Right, and right, right. Barack Obama did that. And, and I'm like, and this some of this stuff's come from Christians, man. And I'm right. like. Okay, so let me let me be very plain and speak to people that follow my ministry and even people that don't follow the ministry may just stumble upon a video or listen to us right now. Um, what I honestly believe is that the man was who he is. He, he, he you know, he wanted to see the destruction of these individuals. He wanted them to die. And um there are, again, people that are in different agencies within the United States, including the FBI, who saw this as a place where they could um, use it to their advantage in this situation. Because when you look at the 200-pound bomb, it barely got any coverage. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. On October the 8th, on October the 10th, I put that video out and I said, listen, this isn't over with. There's another attack coming. And and so I called people to continue to pray. And um, this one came through. Now, what I think is the difference is I believe that there were those agents that were the, in, the, in, the, in the FBI. And I love the FBI. But you got to understand that there are various viewpoints politically within any organization in the government um, streaming from far, far, you know, conservative to the radical. And they, they knew who this guy was because, you know, um, Christopher Ray, who is the FBI director um, that kind of heads up these things said that they were discussing over a thousand bomb threats uh, or a thousand terrorist uh, uh, threats in the United States out of all wow. 50 States. Crazy. And so they obviously they knew who this guy was. We all know who he was. He's and he made a threats before. So they knew who he was, man. They've known who he is since 2000. And I believe, too, when he when he first started making these crazy accusations about blowing people up and killing them. 
but they did nothing. They stood down on purpose till the last minute so they could create the frenzy that we see um, for the, the midterms coming up. Charlie, this is such an interesting conversation, man. I mean, we're we're really getting into some things here on this. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, that isn't definitely, you know, not for the average Christian viewer. I mean, we're talking real stuff here, man. We're talking about, you know, shaping history. We're talking about changing um, the political structure of a nation. We're, we're talking about the, the rise and fall of countries and how these things happen. You know, most uh, believers don't understand things um, right. as far as, you know, the structure of, of, of world governments and things that go on beyond the scenes and, 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 you know, all this, why the enemy, you know, wants to silence the prophetic. Well, that's, because that's actually where I wanted to go, man. I, that was exactly where I was, where, what, what I wanted to talk about next was prophetic censorship. Recently, Lance Wallnow shared one of your posts in regards to um, prophetic censorship and how it's taking place on Facebook. And Facebook is one of the major platforms that you take, uh, that you use to present these different prophetic words. And so um, there's not a lot, there's hardly any prophets that are doing what you're doing in regards to um, the integration of hearing God's voice in regards to um, the Lord's will within political political spheres and, and nations and you're really given words that um, that involve the uh, powers you know powers that, the powers that be if you will and powers in very influential places and so sometimes man you're you're kicking you're kicking some pretty big hornet's nest and you've actually you've actually um, experienced as Lance Wallnow shared, um, pretty deliberate censorship that went beyond just an algorithm. What are you like? What are you? What are you seeing? Um, and what do you think is going on? Well, I always knew that there were shadow banning because, like, some of my posts would get like these massive, like, um, you know, shares and like likes, and would go across, you know, various platforms. And then there would be other things that would get very little traction and like would be seen by nobody. And then I would ask people, I'd say, did you see that? I would do like a live video and say, well, I prophesied this on this and this and this. And people were saying, well, I never saw that. And I'm going, okay. And then, you know, when Lance went to share my word um, on his page concerning the Kavanaugh thing, that's was really eye opening to me because I already knew they were doing it mm-hmm. um, to major guys. I mean, m- guys that are w- not even in the Christian just can you know sure, have sure. different have like conservative values and things like that. I had heard them speaking about it, and I'm thinking like you know I'm just little you know Charlie Champ you know. But then I started recognizing that it was across the board, and especially with this Kavanaugh thing. And then, you know, some various words that I've had watching them um, be kind of censored and not seen. 
And the, and so I started telling people, you know, the only way you're going to find out what I'm saying really is if you go to my website. Right. Right. And then, and then what's weird about that too, is that I've had over the, over the course of, you know, a couple, you know, months, some just weird things that would happen with the website and stuff like that, where it would go down or this page wouldn't be seen or they couldn't find it. And I'm like, man, it's really interesting what's going on right now. Um, you know, but we got to continue to fight for, um, the future of what God wants on the earth. Absolutely. And when it comes to just how you like, uh, planning for the future and stuff, are you thinking about establishing a platform where you would have full control over the content? Um, is the goal to just keep utilizing Facebook and YouTube until, until until they crack down even even harder and, and just completely shut it down or or hey maybe that opposite happens and it opens up or are you looking at maybe at a certain point establishing your own kind of platform where you have just full 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 creative control over the content that you're putting out there well i think that you can create that space but then you got to find who's going to go there and who's going to know about it right right and i think that there, there's a, there is a, um, window of opportunity that people have to create other, um, kind of social media platforms that could be f- more free, but, um, they need to take the chance to create those and then people need to be able to find them. You know, um, my, my space is always going to, not MySpace, as in the MySpace, but <laughs> I was say, uh, MySpace is yeah. always going to be around. <laughs> it's there, but nobody goes there, right? Uh, so, uh, but but as far as my website, it's always going to be there, right? Yeah. Um, but it, we're getting into a, a, an interesting conversation here, man. Because, like, what does the what does the internet look like in in ten years from now? You know, because people have to realize that the Internet is not, you know, the Constitution, right? There's not a Constitution of the Internet. Right. So freedom of speech is dependent upon these guys like Google, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. And those are privately owned companies that can censor your material if they do not like what you say. You see what I mean? And and they may not even do it openly, but they'll do it, you know, by just shadow banning you where people can't find your video or or something of of that nature, which is comes across with the prophetic because um, they're definitely not going to, you know, want to go along with some of the, you know, prophecy and the prophetic of America's going to be awakened. There's going to be a third great awakening and you know, heaven's going to come down into the nations. I mean, that's not what they're looking for, man. We already know what they're going after. So, yeah, and the, you know, the interestingly cra- enough, the, the crazy thing with with Facebook is that several companies have tried to create competition for Facebook. There's been, you know, you'll hear these little rumblings of different apps that are coming out and different websites that are coming out, and I've downloaded a few of them, and it, and, and it's interesting because. 
they might be out for a couple months or two and and you might see a bunch of people kind of jump onto these different platforms and then they just they just full on disappear so really facebook has no competition even i mean look at even like google plus tried to launch their own version of kind of like a facebooky kind of thing and just nobody can compete with facebook and what's even crazy is um i got a news article um uh, from a pretty legit source, it's not like it's not fake news or anything on right. um, on the CIA and how they basically shut down their their own tracking algorithms and programs because they can use Facebook because Facebook has more data than the CIA's internal database. So the CIA basically shut down their internal like what they were using for their tracking and monitoring. I'm sure they still have some you know something going on, but they basically said we're going to use Facebook since. Facebook knows everything about you if you're on it, right? From where you shop, if, if you're religious, if you go to church, your favorite TV shows, um, like everything, you know? So it's pretty crazy to think that here is a, um, a company that hasn't traditionally been f- federally regulated at all, that has no competition, that literally has unlimited resources, right? Like right. there are no budgets. They can do whatever they want. If there, if there is any form of competition, they can um, – they can buy out the competition. Um, and so, it, you know, it, it, it's really, really, in, and then to the degree that they are able to, you know, I was talking with Chad Dedman and he was, he was talking about the fires in Reading and people were um, saying to him, Hey man, I, I heard that your, your house burned down. Like we heard that your neighborhood burned down. And he's like, where did you hear that? And then they would send him the article of where, and the article would say that his whole development burned down. It was fake news, and what, it, what what was happening was during the whole Reading fires, the majority of the of the articles that were going all over Facebook were being created by people that just wanted hits, <laughs> and were using it as um, as advertising platforms, and um, and so you have you have all of this news um, that people are just accepting as truth that's going all over Facebook. It's totally you know, the, and I don't know where I'm at as far as like. I don't know if having it regulated is is even a is it's just pretty crazy. There's literally no accountability, and yet you have you on there that and you're giving prophetic words, right? And and um and they are specifically targeting the, the different areas. If you get too close to a particular topic that they don't like, they'll just keep you from showing up on people's feeds. It's crazy, man. Right, and so that that comes down to what what is safe for you to share and what's not right and and then it comes down to your like the safety of your family as well you see what i mean well yeah because like anybody can create fake news about you or whatever or they can also you you can you can know something is coming and you can pray about it quietly um and sometimes it's better than um like letting everybody know about some things like when it comes to like presidential words and elections and things like that i'm pretty open about that Mm -hmm. but um there's other things you know that i i'm kind of just i'm sitting on in some instances you know like I'm, i'm 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 releasing them in different different ways so but we're in a really really um in an interesting time in human history, bro, because you have to understand the interfacing between technology and humanity is at the highest level that it's ever been. 
and where does it finish and where does it stop and then where does it um where is the regulation on it you see what i mean because because basically information is is everything right so you have all you have fake news you have people they have all this stuff coming in you have propaganda right you have like you have these false information like what you're saying about the reading fires right people are putting that information out there but how far is integration between humanity and technology going to go because with what's coming with ai which you and i both know mm-hmm. um will have like unless it's unless it's regulated will have no bounds and so you know the the propaganda and false information that will be integrated into humanity it will be at the highest level it's ever been in. But does that scare? You know? Does it scare you when we're using the word regulation? Uh, when we're using that that word regulation almost as like a a safety measure that makes us feel safe or makes us feel secure? Like the idea of regulated AI. Does that make? In one hand, that makes us feel less fearful. But should it? I mean, <laughs> when you look at what when. You know, if we're just being honest, as far as the amount of stuff that's allowed to happen in levels of, of, well, it doesn't really matter where, whether it's Hollywood and all this, all the different scandals and things that have been revealed this last year through the Me Too movement. And you hear these, the stories coming out about Harvey Weinstein and, um, and then even the, 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 you know, Bill, uh, what was Bill O'Reilly? And you hear about these, 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 whether it's in, LA or if it's in Washington DC, man, the amount of stuff that's been allowed to happen and the amount of things that have been swept under the rug and to think that there are areas of corruption that would, that we would be putting our hope in as far as bringing regulation with artificial intelligence, man, it's pretty frightening no matter how you look at it. And it's kind of like wherever there's money, where, where, where there's radical amounts of money, right? Then there's also radical amounts of power. And whenever you're dealing with power and money, even when it comes to the regulation of it, what's going to come first prioritizing humanity, like in the concerns and the affairs of our, of, 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 of humanity and our social concerns and our civil concerns, or will, um, greed overtake that, you know? So I'm on one hand, I'm encouraged as far as when it comes to stem cell research and the amount of regulation they have been enforcing over that, you know, where it comes to, I mean, we're moving radically slow, right? When it comes to the different medical, like weirdly slow, like the amount of medical breakthroughs that we're having right now is, is so weirdly slow compared to other areas. Um, and so I'm kind of rambling now, but I'm just wondering if, if, uh, if we can really put our trust in regulation when it comes to AI and these different kinds of conversations? Well, yeah, I, I, I don't know if we can put our trust in it, but I think the question needs to come come out. And we need to start to, I mean, we're at the place right now where we need to, st- we need to ask. We need to ask questions. And I think that a lot of people are asleep on a lot of issues, you know? Um, it's like I was talking to somebody tonight and um, I, I asked them if they knew what 2049 was, and they said, "No, what's 2049?" I said, "Well, that's the anniversary of the of the Chinese communistic, um, you know, 
the birth of communism in China. Mm. And I said, you know, that's when they want to become a superpower. Mm. And a lot of people don't even know that, man. And they're and they're and so they're like, you know, why is Google moving to China? Mm. It, I mean, now, it, you know, what what is what is like all, all going on? Like, well, you know, what we're over here in our little boxes, bro, and and we're like arguing on, you know, social media. And I've said this before <laughs> about our theological stance on something that in eternity isn't even going to matter a hill of beans. And, you know, while we're doing that, you know, and there's, uh, there's, there's bigger issues going on, you know, and, and, and where do, because like right now what you're saying about Facebook, right. Has all of your information on it. Right. You're basically interfaced with, with, with technology right now. But what does that interface look like in 10 years with AI? Because when you look at AI technology, like just I was listening, I was listening to something about a couple week, a week or two ago, and um, they were talking about AI technology, about the upgrades that it can make in just moments. So like they had an AI um, compete with a um like the top chess players in all in all the world Mm. and they were able the first generation was able to beat it within a couple of hours like every single master chess player and then then they did a second generation to go against the the computer the first generation and that thing beat the computer within like 15 minutes because it because of the intellectual upgrade that had taken place and so when you have no regulation on that, man, where does it go? Because basically you come to a place where the supercomputer is smarter than any human being on the planet, and then it can no longer be controlled. And that for me is, 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 is a scary place. And, 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 you know, with all the great technology, like you're talking, why is it that we're advancing that, but like, we're not trying to find a cure for cancer. Do you see what I mean? Oh yeah, Absolutely. Um, man, and I, I just heard a, a very credible interview actually with, um, it was on uh, the Bulletproof, I don't know, the Bulletproof podcast. I don't know if you've heard of the Bulletproof company. They're out of uh, Seattle here and their whole thing is on biohacking with the mind, the body and everything else. So it's, uh, uh I forget his name. The guy that hosts it, the guy that owns the company was just interviewing Tony Robbins. Um, you know, you know, Tony Robbins and, and he was talking about, the the most affluent privately owned company right now is a is a medical company that's um that's invested into stem cell research and if i understood it correctly it's regarding um they have they have kind of unlocked how to synthesize stem cells um and basically the bottom line is they've developed a capsule that if you take this capsule it can rebuild disc in your back. It can it can it can literally rebuild um, organs within your body. That they can target what they need to. And one of the things that's fascinating, he said, you take a you, you take um, a baby, and I forget what they call it when a baby's born with a spine on the outside of its body. Um, and well, they can actually go in there and operate now on the baby in the womb, put the spine back into the baby, sew it up. When that baby's born, there will be no scar on that baby because of the stem cells are 
and the active production of that, the baby will be born and there will be no record that there was ever. They said, if you, if you go into the womb and you were to cut off a baby's finger, that baby would actually regrow the finger in the womb because of the active stem cells that are, that are at work within, within the womb there because of the pro wow. the programming of the DNA. And so there, this company is, has basically claims that they have unlocked basically and, and are able to synthesize the programming of stem cells and that they are actually doing active testing right now on human beings with cancer. I, I think they've said that they've, I don't want to quote the number of cancers that they've actually cured with this. And it's in second level testing right now at the FDA. And so like that is, that stuff's happening right now in our, you know, in our, in our lifetime, man, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, that's awesome. And there's so many, you know, there's medical breakthroughs that we're going to see, um, technology breakthroughs that we're going to see, um, that are going to be, uh, that are going to be amazing. And so it's kind of like figuring out like what, like celebrating the good stuff, you know, and, and then, and then saying like, you know, I don't want to support the other stuff. You just see what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, cause we're looking at like stem cell research. Cause I believe in humanity, man. I want to see humanity blessed. You know, I want to see, you know, a time like the book of Isaiah says where there is no war. Come on. You know, and we obviously know that's when the return of Jesus, like during the, during, you know, the millennial or, you know, when, when, when everything is, you know, when the Christ is reigning on the earth, but at the same time, it says that the, you know, the child will, will, you know, sit right next to a cobra and the cobra will not bite the child you know, these kinds of verses. And then you see on the other side of the spectrum, you have this whole thing with um, like drone technology mm. and like warfare where it's going to get such a high level where humans won't even be on the battlefield anymore. It'll just be, you know, and, and like AI technology, I mean, they just came out with a tank that is doesn't have a human in it. Hmm. It doesn't is driven without that. So it's like this is where prayer comes into the place where where we begin to see into the future and we begin to proclaim the blessing of what God wants to do, like what you're saying, like with stem cells and yeah. things like that, where there's like blessing to humanity. Just like I released a word about, um, I, I saw a woman, you know, standing on the moon as a sign of, right, of right. the advancement. Cause the Lord showed me that said that there's going to be a woman that's going to step foot on the moon and it's going to be an advancement. You're going to see the, like a supercharged acceleration of, of, of uh, technology once that happens. And now we have Elon Musk with the with the um, SpaceX already talking about orbiting the moon again mm. and starting to take trips there. Right. And it's not very long, man. You know, I asked my son the other day. I said, I said, would you ever want to go, and, you know, be in a colony on Mars or something? And he was like, Oh, Dad, I don't know. I'd probably want to stay on the Earth. <laughs> That's awesome. You're having that conversation with, 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 with Nehemiah. That's awesome. I think it's interesting, man. Sure. I think that, I think that Christians have, have been in a weird space for, for a little bit about like the end times. Hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And we've missed it on a lot of things that we could have jumped on. And like, for instance, um, when computers first came out in, in this, and the software was first available for the internet, we could have taken control of that. You see what I mean? Right, right. We could have been, we could have been on the forefront of that, but Instead, if you go back and instead listen it was to the, the the porn industry that became the pioneers of the internet. Right. So, but but and think about it, Darren. Like when you were growing up, I mean, obviously your dad was awesome. He's he was a, a great Holy Ghost guy. But um, you know, a lot of the not not necessarily charismatic circles, but there were those that were out there that were basically saying the internet was of the devil and like the mark of the beast. Mm. And right, obviously right. we know that it could go that way with AI technology and we could like, we could speculate all that, but there are things that we need to begin to recognize that we could, we could see into the future, the good things that God wants to bless humanity with and use that technology and those advancements uh, to help the world. You know, like, and imagine if Christians would have gotten a hold of this, like, you know, that the internet was actually a good, could be used for good. Because I believe that we would have, somebody, a Christian would have came up with the concept of Facebook, and then we wouldn't see, like, a lot of this. You see what I mean? I'm just speculating, but I'm talking to you about, like, projecting the future and realizing that some things can go in two directions. But if, if we, are holding humanity in our heart. We love God. We can pull these things into a good place instead of like a negative space. Well, I think that we, I, I don't know if you agree with this or not, but I think oftentimes in the church, we're guilty of building uh, a theology for the barriers. So oftentimes people that don't have a theological um, defeater belief for the barriers are approaching it more like engineers. And so that's the thing with Elon Musk. He'll find a problem and he won't say, well, that problem was put there by God, right? For example, the Zuckerberg Foundation, right? The uh, Mark Zuckerberg and his wife, founder of Facebook, their 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 statement is abolishing disease within our lifetime. Many Christians would say, well, you can't do that because disease is part of God's plan for humanity, and if there's no disease, there's no death, and and um, and God, and death is part of God's plan. And you know, versus you know, Elon Musk, he's an engineer. He looks at a problem. He doesn't say. No, this problem is part of God's will for humanity. He basically says, "Here's a problem, and I'm going to fix it." So I think that I think that there's definitely a lot of, you know, um, freedom and evolution in our own theological within the theological con- condition of the kingdom, which is super super healthy. But to a great degree, I think we've kind of just accepted defeat in so many different areas and we've somehow said that this defeat is just part of god's plan and i think that's so unfortunate because you have people that don't even believe in god and they believe that humans should be undefeated (laughs) you know right right and and well what's what's interesting is that um when you study out the history of the church right so you got guys like da vinci right yeah so da vinci comes up with the idea of airplanes and he's immediately persecuted for that. Wow. Right, so then right. you don't see it come, um, you don't see it, people actually start to take flight until the Wright brothers, mm. right? Mm. Um, which I believe, if I'm correct, is like around 19, 
1906. Do you have your phone on you? Just I know we're on doing a podcast, but could you look up to see when? Because this is interesting um, about the Wright brothers uh, and when they first took their uh, sure once the first right. the very first flight. We're going to get like a research assistant to help us out with the podcast. And if you listen, if you're a research assistant and you're listening to this and you want to start helping us with our live broadcast, let me know. Uh, Wright Brothers, Orville, Wilbur. So the, oh, I found it. December Nin- 17th. December 17th, 1903. The Wright Brothers take their first flight. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. So then there is literally, I believe, 60, 68 years or 67 years from the Wright brothers flying their first airplane to the man landing on the moon. That's crazy. Yeah, that's 67 years. That's nothing. That's nothing. Now get this. That's 1903, right? When this is happening. Right. The Alexander Dowie and Mariah Woodworth Eder are ministering and 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 bringing forth prophetically a wave of revival into into the United States into different nations that had not been uh, touched in you know, generations hmm. as far as the healing movement, mm-hmm. trance evangelism with Mariah Woodworth. Right. Eder. right. And I like 1904, that. you have, um, Evan Roberts, the Welsh 1906, Bible. you have the, 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 um, outbreak in LA, which was the, um, uh, the Azusa Street Revival. And so what I'm getting at basically is that with these advancements in technology, hmm. you you see moves of the Holy Spirit in correlation with them. Wow. And so actually what's taking place is that prophetically the church is bringing these technologies into the earth, but we're doing nothing with them. Because you can go back to Alexander Dowie's, some of his prophetic words, uh, during the 1800s, and he actually prophesies about um, radio. Really? Some of his early prophecies, he talked about radio. Wow, interesting. He talked about television. And, you know, um, these kinds of things were were not, were not uh, examined properly. I mean, look at the prophecy of Bob Jones that he gave in the 1970s, early 80s, that everyone talks about, where there would be Chinese people with little television sets in their hands, and they would be watching worship from the rice fields of China. Now, I'm not... Listen to me. I I, I want to say this honor, awesome. in, in a very honoring way. Yeah. We we celebrate the fact that he was able to see that and say, look what prof- prophetic thing has come forth. Correct. I mean, that's pretty awesome. Absolutely. Yeah, nobody even knew what he what what he was talking about. 
and and the thing is look you know yeah obviously the smartphone has been created and and people can watch the technology from from everywhere my thing is that I, that i've been thinking about is why didn't anybody start to think about when he came out with that prophecy what are these little televisions that people mm-hmm. are going to have hands yeah I'm and why didn't the church actually say we need to get some people that that under that can kind of get this information take a hold of it and create that con that 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 technology so that we have the patent on it yeah that's so good that's really really good because listen to this this is where we get it's really interesting at the exact same time that bob jones having that prophetic word where he's seen the little television sets in people's hands there was a man by the name of steve jobs who's starting to have what he called you know pictures and where he would sit and meditate have you heard about this like yeah. where so yeah. he's meditating in his house about about iPhones and he goes and he's and he's and he's trying to find answers so he goes to he goes to a Christian community and they're like oh no 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 that meditation thing that's of the devil so then he goes to the Buddhists and they say no 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 that's that's actually we practice that all the time so then that's how Steve Jobs became a Buddhist because the Christians said no the pictures that you're seeing in your head that's of the devil you see what I mean? And so then he, he ends, ends up getting the technology anyways because a prophet prayed it in when that technology was actually meant for the church and the advancement. And I think that where we're at right now is that we're in a place where the prophetic movement needs to begin to see futuristically, prophesy, and things that, like, personally, I don't even understand because my brain doesn't even work that way, but I see stuff. People dissect prophecy, take a hold of that, and realize what's coming in the future, and create companies, create businesses, create platforms off of the, those things that we're seeing. That's where that's where I where I where where I'm at, anyways. You know, it's interesting, and in, 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 you know about this as well. We've we've had these conversations before. Is that yes, yeah, Steve Jobs and his um, practice of meditation, his dis- his meditation discipline, where he basically got the the designs for um for the iMac for the MacBook Pro for the I, for the first iPod that came out that he would get these he would get the this idea for beautiful design um from these almost hallucinogenic type visions to the degree that it's inspired a generation of designers in the Silicon Valley to go on their own um hallucinogenic trips using psilocybin and DMT in order to acquire design and technology for various products. I mean, this is a pretty, this isn't like a secret thing within the design and, and um, world, right? Within um, the new technologies that are coming out. So the idea that people are actually picking up um, uh, everything from the names of companies, like, I don't know if you've ever thought about like some of the names of these companies that are coming out, like you're like, where are people getting these names? Right, right. Like, like where is this? Like some of these things are so goofy, and yet there's so much favor on it, and so um, th- that people are accessing the spirit world for everything from technology to um, to marketing to design. That's where that's where Jobs got this stuff. 
Uh, Bob Jones was seeing stuff in the spirit. Even even Bobby Connor, I've seen him several times where he's releasing words regarding technologies that he's seen in the spirit. But the guy is just, he's releasing it over and over and over, hoping that somebody will actually get a hold of it and run with it. So I think there's, um, you know, there's not a lot of people that are, that you know, especially, but there's loads of, this has become a normal thing within, let's just say the world, right? To access the spirit realm. Um, for this kind of stuff, it has not become a normal thing within the church to even think about engaging heaven for practical technologies and marketing plans and even names of companies and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, and we need to begin to talk about it, right? Because a lot of times people are thinking, well, if I'm going to serve God, I'm just going to serve it in, in the capacity behind a pulpit, Totally, but I totally. believe that the Lord is raising up like prophets like Daniel and that begin to prophesy uh, into, you know, different, different governments, into businesses, into, into people's lives um, in, in different, in different ways. And we begin to see um, it, the humanity influenced in the right direction. And so, you know, you look at you look at the space um, program of the 1960s. You have a major prophet that's pretty much prophesying a lot of it, <laughs> William Branham. Right. <laughs> so the 1947 through 1965, you have this prophet who is accurate in all in all ways as far as word of knowledge, calling people's names out and stuff in, in the church. But even he gets into the 1960s where he starts to have, you know, f- starts to see futuristic things. Interesting. And then, you know, you see, you see the, um, the man, you know, landing on the moon and all these different technology advancements happening during that time. And, um, I think we're, we're right now in that place, man, where, where we're going to see another major shift of like Daniel two two twenty two, the mysteries and the secrets being unlocked. Prophets are going to come forth and begin to prophesy these things. And it's up to the church to grab a hold of the future and begin to shape it the way that it's supposed to be. Let, because a lot of times we're just focused on government and our vote. And I, I get all that and who's supposed to be in the leadership and things like that. Um, but we have to begin to even look beyond that and begin to prophesy into, into things that um, are going to shape humanity. So there's radical advancement everywhere you look, right? Radical advancement within technology, within government, within media. I mean, the stuff that's taking place right now is, is crazy, like you've been talking about. But there, there needs to be radical advancement in the church, especially when it comes to things like regulation, AI, when it comes to these different kinds of things. The church has got to eventually come into this place of functioning like an ecclesia where we have more than just voting authority. What, like, what do you see uh, in the future in regards to a, a, a new authority that, that the church, you know, capital C, is going to come into? Well, I believe that we we got to recognize, um, obviously, that we're seated with Christ in many places. Ephesians two six, resting in that place, and looking from 
um, the projection visionary realm of hope. Wow. Because you remember, remember, I, I think it's okay that we, we could probably say this, uh, and I don't think Bobby will, will get upset. Yeah. Um, remember when we were having that conversation with Bobby, he was talking about Bob and he was saying that he, he was praying for Bob and they both went into a trance. Do you remember this? And he says to, he says they were both in the spirit and they're flying like eagles. Mm, yeah. 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 And yeah. Bob and Bob is in the trance with Bobby and he says, um, don't, don't go, uh, don't go that high, Bobby. Mm. Um, you're going to see all the bad stuff. Remember that? Yeah. And yeah, then he told, he told, I'd forgotten about know, that. And he said, he told Bob, he said, um, he said, uh, told Bob to shut up. And then he, he said, you know, and then they saw all this bad stuff and Bobby said, you know, you know, shut up, Bob. You don't just have to say the bad stuff. You can see the good stuff. And then they, they turned and they saw all this other like beautiful stuff that was coming in the future. Wow. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then Bobby said that he was at a meeting like three or four weeks later with Bob and, um, they didn't even talk about what they had, you know, that they'd see. He thought that Bobby just thought he was in a trance by himself. Yeah. And then Bob came out and said, yep, I was with Bobby and we were in a trance. We were eagles and Bobby told me to <laughs> shut up. And right. that's when Bobby realized that you could have a dual trance together. Mm. And what I believe is going to, st- we're going to start to corporately go up together. Wow. Amen. And the church is going to begin to recognize that we don't just have to see the bad things, but we can see the good things as well. Wow. And so, um, you know, I had that, I had that encounter few years ago where I was taken into the room of futures past mm. and those books I, they were aligned on the wall of, of, of years that have yet to happen. Mm. And I was flipping through those books and I would begin to see like these magnificent things. Like I actually saw the cure of cancer mm. and I saw like, I saw that I was just weeping Wow! That, that like some of these advancements in technology um, that were coming that would stop death and, and, and suffering. And then I saw, you know, other things that were like wars and, and these, these destructive things. And I started, I was weeping, like, you know, so grieved by that. And, um, the, the Lord said, you, you can actually change the future. Wow. And I was like, how do you do that? And he said, speak to it. And so I spoke, to the future and I actually saw a sword come down in the book and rip out a section of that was that was something that was going to happen in the future that was that was bad and was removed mm. and the Lord said prophesy into it and change history wow and I've been saying wow. this a lot that the prophetic is not just tell for for telling the future I mean psychics and you know people like that can can see those things that doesn't matter um, it's co-creating the future with God and then recognizing how God wants you to steward the future is really, really important. Right. Absolutely. Um, because, and that's something I'm still learning. I'm still processing through. Um, because when you look at, you look in the book of Acts and you see Agabus with where he comes and he t- foretells about the famine coming. Mm-hmm. And so the uh, Barnabas, it says Barnabas and Paul 
made provision for the famine from Jerusalem. They trusted these guys enough to recognize that when they spoke a word, that it that it wasn't just that they were throwing something against the wall, the hoping that it would stick, but they had governmental authority, right? And so when they spoke, they knew that these guys had heard from God. So they immediately got ready for the famine because they knew it was coming. Wow. So, so that's where I'm at. Like, if it's something that we can change, like God's saying, you can change this. This is a future event that's going to happen. You can change it. Or it's got like a warning where God is saying, this event is going to happen. Tell people that it's going to happen and have them be prepared for when it happens to bring humanitarian relief to that situation. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Because if you knew that there was tomorrow, there's going to be this situation that was going to rise, like a devastating earthquake in this particular city, but you had known about it two years in advance and you and and the body of Christ actually trusted that prophetic gift, then when that hit, then they would they would be able to recognize that God was saying it and they would be ready immediately when it happened um, to go in and, and, and begin to and begin to be like the the champions of redemption and restoration. And man, I think that's where our, uh, that's where our generation is going. Absolutely. Especially in the prophetic, we have to. Otherwise, we're just playing church, man. And I love church and I love the body of Christ um and I love doing conferences and I love speaking, but at the end of the day, um I want I want our generation to be remembered, you know, if the Lord tarries another 100 years or whatever, that we stewarded the prophetic in a way and championed the supernatural in a way that people could could no longer go back to what was in the past. So like the guys in the 19, like Dowie and Mariah Woodworth Eder and the 1950s revival, they championed healing in a way where we don't settle for anything less anymore. Come on. As far as like the majority of the body of Christ I mean, the 1906, where they begin to speak in tongues. There's millions, billions of people around the planet right now that pray in tongues. We don't settle for anything less now that we know that it's open. I believe that there is a company of pro- prophetic people that are like like Issachar coming on the earth, and we're going to take the prophetic to a place that has never been seen in any other generation where few walked in before. We're going to make it up, make it available to corporate people, corporate body to step into. And the, the prophetic will never be known for what it was in the past as a hit and miss, but it will be thus says the Lord and it will be accurate and people will begin to trust the prophetic like they do, um, the healing gift or, or whatever. I mean that's where I that's where I'm I'm shooting for. Now whether we see it in the fullness, man, I don't know, but I'm going for that. That's what I'm going for. I, I don't I don't I mean I, I I don't you know worry about what people think about me as far as the people in the people in the church in the broader sense of the of the body of Christ. Man, I just don't care. I mean this next week I'm going to meet with the with the president of Kenya because of word that I had for him 
two years ago or a year and a half ago. Wow. Wow. So I'd rather be meeting with kings and in, in, in priests and worry about, you know, whether somebody believes that uh, prophecy is for, for today. I mean, who cares? You don't believe in that? Fine. Or that you didn't live pray enough. <laughs> regarding yeah, leave, regarding live your storm. life the way you want to live it. But right. I mean, I want to be changing nations, man. Like this, there's so much we could talk about, man. I, I prayed for a kid, you know, that rapper kid, that yeah. Takashi 69, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. I've been That's following so that. cool. It's amazing. Because I don't even know who that kid is. And the Lord starts talking to me about this rapper from, from Brooklyn. And I'm like, I don't even like rap. <laughs> I don't listen to rap music. Right, right. And I'm like, especially like the crazy stuff. And the Lord starts talking to me about this kid, about this rainbow colored hair kid and about how God wants to redeem his life. And the rainbow represents the seven spirits of God and, <laughs> and that God has called him six, nine, like, um, you know, uh, to, to, to Matthew six, nine, um, you know, where God's going to turn his life around through prayer and Galatians six, nine and all this stuff. And I'm like getting all this information about his life. And, and, and I, you know, and I saw that the enemy wanted to kill him, um, which, which, you know, there's a couple of attempted things on his life where he almost died even recently. Um, and, uh, the Lord's been protecting him. And then, and then suddenly I call people to pray for, but for this kid, and who knows what people in the church, like some religious person probably thought like about that, man. Because if you listen to this kid's music, it's like, I can't even, I can't even start to say what this guy says in his music. It's like right. so hor- hor- horrendous. Yeah. And then all of a sudden here's a, you know, a church with getting saved. It's like. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm talking about, man. I'm hoping to pray for this kid. I'm, I'm wanting to meet him. So, um. Have you, have you heard anything? Has anyone been able to kind of point you the right direction as far as connecting with them? Uh, you know, somebody sent me like his email and said like a, like a, and the, but you know how that is, yeah, man. Totally, that goes totally. to like seven different, you know, people that are, no, no I'm just hoping that God divinely totally. aligns it where I see him. And then I'm going to prophesy over that kid. Cause he's got a, he's got an amazing future and um, you know, God's going to use him. Big time. You know, regarding the books of the future, it's interesting because uh, so three years ago, Peter, my son, who's seven now, so when he was four, I went into his bedroom in the morning um, and he said to me, Dad, I was like, what? What's up, bud? And he's like, do you know the future? And that's just such a weird question for a four-year-old to ask, you know? At that time, he was pretty limited as far as his access on Netflix and YouTube, right? Like he didn't have any sort of influences where that would guide that conversation. And I just said, no, like, no, you know, only Jesus knows the future, buddy. And he said, um, so then you haven't read the book of the future. And then dude, wow. all, all the hairs on the back of my neck, like, like I got goosebumps all over my body. And, and I was like, uh, no, ha- have you? And he was like, yes. And then he begins to talk and say things that he knows nothing about. And it was almost like, I, I don't know if I've ever experienced it before where somebody's talking to you and it's almost more than kind of what you can handle. And I should have like, I'm never just thinking like, I got to record this. I got to write it down. But for whatever reason, it was almost like the Lord didn't let me. <laughs> what was interesting is he had the same exact conversation at the end of the day with Andrea, where he asked her the same question. And what's interesting to, to me is that oftentimes when it comes to the future, I just settle for, 
for the idea that the future has been hidden from me and that's okay. Right? Versus, so that, that framed out my answer to him. Like, nobody, nobody knows the future. Only Jesus knows the future. But then he, his response was, so then basically you haven't read the book of the future. Like basically he, a four-year-old refuted me by saying like, your default kind of religious answer isn't necessarily true because I've read the book. <laughs> wow. And there's a couple things that he remembers. Like he's like most of it, he doesn't remember, but there's a couple things that he remembers as far as the appearance of humans and, and that kind of thing. And, um, and so when you were talking about reading the, the, the books of the future, you know, future past and, um, it's, it's, it's absolutely fascinating. And this idea that I like, actually I had Michael Danforth on, on uh, the podcast re- recently, and he was talking about the same thing where we're not just predicting the future, we're actually creating it. And that that's actually the role of not just prophets, but that's actually the role of sons. And that with this era of sonship that we're coming into, it's an era where, where, it, where, where we are literally creating the future with our words. Yeah, that's, that's, that's it, man. That's where we're at right now. And I think that there have been people in every, um, century who tapped into the supernatural and caused advancement in technology to take place. You see what I mean? They tapped into those future books. They read those scrolls. And they released in that time period the technology hmm. for that century. Wow. Because, like, if you look at the, like um, just the study of humanity, right from from a um, secular perspective, sure. from science, right? They 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 just dis- they start discovering man. They talk about you know uh, man coming out of North Africa you know, how did man learn about fire? Mm. How did man, you know what I mean? Sure, and, sure. and we chase it all the way back to the book of Genesis. We understand, you know, the whole, um, framing up of after, um, Noah mm. and, and the flood and these things like that. But, you know, they the, the, the discovery of all these weapons and these technologies mm. and these advancements throughout the centuries, you know, you see these leaps, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah but absolutely. then, so, but think about this, Darren. There are places on the earth right now where there are significant gaps in technology, right? Right, right totally. So, so one, one, like you go to the Amazon in, in say, Brazil, down in the Brazilian Amazon, way, way back, or into Peru into the depths of the jungle, you're going to find people that don't even know what cell phones are Mm -hmm. or they're not going to know. Like there's places on the planet right now that are not as, not as naturally advanced as other places. So, so what was it? Was it, was now this is, what was it that caused those super advancements? Right. Was it that these, these one individuals were like, more smart enough to figure out things and these people over here weren't right or was it that they were getting information from another source totally you know 
because there's, you know, there's a knowledge and understanding are two different things. Knowledge allows you to know that something is, that is, you know, that exists. Understanding allows you to operate the thing. So there was somebody in those centuries that were releasing those, those, that information into those particular places on the planet and people were picking up on that information. Now, this is my thinking. I don't know if it's right. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's wrong, but I'm just going to put it out here for people that are listening. I don't believe that thought originates with man. I believe thought originates with God. You're either, or, or it can, or it can, your thought can originate from darkness, the enemy. I don't believe that man is, has, has in, in, at the origin of thought, there is a source. And your inspiration is not just like, oh, I'm really smart, so I just came up with it. I believe that inspiration is either coming from one or two sources, either coming from light or darkness. Yeah. And people are being inspired by that. And so these, these different individuals throughout the centuries tap into the supernatural of God in, in whatever way that the Lord reveals to them. And they pull these things into the earth, advancing those portions of humanity and, and causing them to, to arise, right, in, 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 in light, in my opinion. Because I believe light always rises, you yeah. know, because when you study out different different places in, in, in humanity, you see the total destructions of societies and you wonder, like, where did this come from? How did this happen? You know, and some of it stems from, like, you know, different pagan worship and the sources that they were going after at that time um, caused the destruction of that particular society. That's just my thought. I don't know what. What are you? Th- are you? Are you catching what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, it's interesting because there's a very accepted theory among scientists and evolutionary thinkers that what separated the the Neanderthal kind of gorilla evolved species from all the other species was that gorillas, the the evolved gorilla, whatever, the caveman upon stumbling upon mushrooms would eat mushrooms would have their mind unlocked right and so i'm sure you've heard this before that it was essentially you know mushrooms that allowed for us to evolve beyond any other which is really funny considering that every other creature eats them as well and they don't evolve but what what is interesting is that um the idea of technology or radical advancement coming to humanity through supernatural means. And Michael Danforth said this as well, that he believes that Elon Musk is actually operating in a sunship out of sonship that what he's actually doing for humanity is actually a gift from God to humanity. And that's where um, I don't know where I'm at with it. Any technology that advances humanity, is that a gift from God you, you know what I'm saying? Like, cause I do think that there's stuff that's being accessed. Um, that's not necessarily from God that maybe people are taking and using for the betterment of humanity that we know of, but maybe there's also 
a dark side of it that we don't know about. You know what I'm saying? So what I wonder, in, in the same way that the enemy can come as an angel of light, is it possible that there are technologies and things that are being introduced to the earth that to us look like they're advancing humanity, but little do we know that those same technologies are are actually just a Trojan horse because there's a, a dark side to it. Um, you know, so that, that that's... I'm a little concerned regarding some of the things that are taking place that look like advancement to humanity where I feel like there's probably a dark side of it that we don't really even know is there. And I just wonder if there's if there's if there is kind of a demonic agenda in some of the things that we're actually calling breakthroughs. Yeah, and that's what we need. <laughs> no, 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 and that's where we need to begin to pray. Yeah. You know, and we got to be able to discern and begin to speak into, you know, um, because, you know, even when you look at, like, I know it's not canonized scripture, but the book of Enoch, mm-hmm. yep. you know, and the book of Enoch is actually, you know, quoted in the New Testament. I know it's not canonized scripture, but it's still a good source to kind of look at uh, historically. Yeah, even Jesus quotes from the... Yeah, yeah, I, I understand it's not canonized scripture, sure. right? But like the the history of uh, the Americas is not canonized scripture either. But we sure. can look at it and we can, you know, see what happened. And so, like the Book of Enoch, you see like all these angels coming down, right, mm-hmm. and giving advancements in technology and sources of technology, um, you know, bo- both of one of pharmacai. Mm-hmm. And then also of advanced weaponry. Right. So that's crazy. Demonic source, uh, you know, of, of, you know, advancement typically is the destruction of humanity, hmm. in my opinion, hmm. and the blessing of humanity um, it, for the better is for from God, hmm. you know? Yeah, and then that's where we get kind of into a place where, where, Whereas, you know, because hamburgers aren't in the Bible, right? <laughs> right, but Hamburgers right. are okay. We can sure, eat those. Sure. We shouldn't eat them all the time because sure. <laughs> you know, we're all on keto, so we probably shouldn't do that. Um, you know, go bunless. Yeah, preach you, it. Preach it, Charlie. You know, you now, get, but, now you're prophesying. But here's the thing, man. So, like, we, me and you, we would talk about, like, something like, you know, like Elon Musk, right? He wants to go to Mars. He wants to colonize Mars. Yeah. And some Christians would be like, you know, that's not in the Bible. That's terrible. You know, that's like, you know, that's hell's agenda. I mean, but man, maybe we should pray about it. Come on. Yeah, right, right. You see what I'm saying? I hear what you're saying. Totally, totally. You know, and and, and, it's, and, and it's like, it's in that weird space of like, you know, um, is it good? Is it bad? Or is it just? Is it just, you know, advancement? You know, is that a bad thing if people went and lived on Mars? I don't know. That's the thing. Is this like, you know, I think that Christians get into this place where they're they're just looking at the book of Revelation and waiting for the Antichrist to show up. Yeah. And if I was going to tell people anything, I mean, projection-wise, um, because they're all looking for the Antichrist. I think you're going to, if the Antichrist, because the Bible says the Antichrist has always been here, right? Book of John says that. There's always been Antichrist on the earth. But if I was going to say like, 
you know, don't be looking for a human. Right, right. To be the Antichrist. Because that's not, I mean, you know, I don't know how far we should go into that. But, I mean, <laughs> if people are like, let, you know, they're, they're like the Pope is the Antichrist. It's like, come on, guys. Sure. It's not the, 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 the false prophet is the, it's like, come on, focus, focus on, on the good things, what God wants to bring. Um, and, and figure out where we're supposed to be going for the betterment of humanity. And not everything is like demonic and not everything is bad. You know, people are going to always think that religion is, religion is always going to think everything is bad and that's what i'm trying to say here is that we've missed out on a lot of good things that god that god brought into the earth because we were so focused on in the end times and the you know getting out of here well, i mean i got weird. a friend oh, go ahead you got a friend <laughs> go ahead well i had a friend that like his parents didn't like he didn't even get let him get braces <laughs> when he was a kid because like you don't need to get braces son you know, Jesus is coming back any day now. Totally, totally. You know, it's just now he's got crooked teeth, man. And it's like he's just now he's like 40 years old. He's getting his teeth fixed. It's like, bro, your parents were wrong. <laughs> totally. You know, Y2K, you know, remember that? I mean, it's like, you know, everything's going to shut down. It's like, I, you know, I don't know, man. I think we need to pray more. Because if we would have prayed more, we would have realized that Y2K was not, you know, going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was sitting there, I was waiting for, well, I was a teenager, and I was waiting for everything to <laughs> shut off. I wasn't even really, I was like backslidden. I was like, That's oh, what I was gonna I say. those guys missed it. Right, right, right. You know? Yeah. So. Eight, 18 years old. Year I'm, sitting, I'm like this is gonna be awesome listening, the, listening to going, smashing pumpkins <laughs> yeah <laughs> like electricity is going off everything's <laughs> shut down totally. and we're not gonna you know the computers nothing's gonna work and then you know 10 9 8 you know goes all the way to one and boom and then nothing happened and you're like wow i'm like this is great you know so um I think it I think it just ties back into the whole thing like a theme throughout the night has been this whole thing of like just not engaging with fear right like That's that it. that as as the church we've got we've got to partner with courage and we've got to partner with 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 the future as the lord has written it like the future is not the enemy like the future is our friend um because our god you know lords over the timeline that he wants to partner with us and really that's what you're doing prophetically isn't just declaring something or even predicting something but you're inviting the church to begin partnering with god's will to shape the future which is why there's so much resistance coming against you individually as well as your ministry because um and which is also why a lot of the people that um are kind of like they use fear religiously are the very people that are attacking you and your ministry, which I think is really interesting. Um, and, uh, you know, and I, I, and the other thing is, is also your desire to empower people to really begin doing the stuff and stepping into their sonship. And, and a lot, a lot people don't even realize that for Charlie right now, it's actually, it's one ten a.m. <laughs> 
And so we are like, we are in it right now. Like we are going for it, man. <laughs> Fully <laughs> it. We're all the way in now. We're, 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 but what, one of the things that, was, uh, that I want to hit on before we call it a night, man, is mystic prayer. Um, your, your new book that you've written where you're, you're, where you're just so generous with a roadmap to lead people into uh, a deeper place of intimacy and experience with their creator to go beyond just church services as your Christian experience and to really come into a place of, of, of radical encounter as a, as a lifestyle. So man, your book just came out. Um, how's it doing? It's doing great. Actually. I'm very, very, very surprised. Like, um, you know, it's doing really, really well. And, um, it's, it kind of tackles some of the things that we're, we, we're discussing here. I mean, yeah. on a spiritual level, cause I talk about, you know, how a lot of guys are, are taking, um, hallucinative drugs like DMT mm-hmm. and they're tapping into sources that are, that are not of God and, um, pulling out information like what you were saying, um, from those realms, um, then tempting to bring it back in and make it to manifest in the earth. And, um, we discuss, um, mystical prayer and intimacy in Jesus to pull the things that Christ is showing into the three dimensional world that we live in for the betterment of, of society and humanity. I think that that's in a nutshell, what the book is about. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a really simple book too, man. It's not, it's not, it's like a hundred and, you know, 20 pages or something. Somebody could get down, sit down and read it with a cup of coffee in a few hours if they really wanted to. And I wanted to make it simple enough where somebody could read it and, and, and engage in it. And it wouldn't be so heady that, you know, they wouldn't understand the information that was being given. Basically sit down with Jesus talk to him in silent prayer and, and until you fall into that state of, you know, where Paul said it's seeing and knowing. Yeah. It's a great book. Cause you have a lot of amazing stories in the book, um, regarding the, 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 the mystics of old, as well as practical stories that are pretty modern. Um, but you also have just such a, a practical way of communicating the information to where people can read the book and be, and really begin practicing it at, at home. If there was like a, if there was a person like the ideal person who, you know, really shouldn't read any other book. <laughs> like, like if you wrote this book for a specific kind of person, what kind of person would that be? Definitely a person that is prophetic in nature and they they are already experiencing things in God, but they have no framework for it. So they're they're are they're having these extended times where they feel led away to go and pray, these extended times where they wanna go and and be with the Lord and they're you know, they're having experiences happen to them, but they don't really have um, framework for it. So they, they they have knowledge that they're happening to them, but they don't have understanding yet of of how it's happening. This is the, this is that kind of a book for someone that wants to kind of put that understanding to 
what they know is already either available to them or what they're already experiencing, but just don't know how to frame it up. So if you're listening to this right now and Charlie just described you, then you need to literally put this thing on pause right now and purchase this book before you forget. Like, don't say I'm going to pick it up later. And here's the other thing. If you're listening to this right now and Charlie just described like your spouse, you're like, that's totally my spouse. He's having these encounters. He doesn't have any language or, or structure for it. Then you also need to pick up this book. The other thing is, uh, of course, Christmas time is coming and you might even know friends or even coworkers at work who aren't even necessarily Christians, but they're having spiritual type stuff happening. This book is going to be a huge answer to prayer because there's so many people that are having spiritual experiences right now that they don't think will work with Christianity because all they know is a religious, non-supernatural form of Christianity. And so um, maybe you're thinking of somebody right now, like even as we're talking, you you definitely need to not just pick up one copy of this thing, but hey, pick up like 10 copies of this thing because one of the best gifts that you can give to somebody is revelation. And so oftentimes, you know, sure, give away Bibles, absolutely. But sometimes the Bible can be kind of overwhelming for a (laughs) pre-Christian. Sometimes it's perfect for them, right? But I would say this is a great gift. Uh, Like I said, pick up 10 of these things and just hold on to them and just ask the Lord, like, who should I be giving these things to? People that are having supernatural spiritual experiences, whether they're Christian or not, and um, and need a grid work for it. And really, it's going to be an invitation to meet Jesus. Now, Charlie, what's the best way for people to pick up uh, Mystic Prayer? Mysticalprayer.com. Okay, so just It'll go to... It'll take them perfect. right there and uh, to, to the page. They can order it, and it'll be shipped to them. Awesome. So make sure that you go there, mysticalprayer.com. Don't go to Amazon. I mean, you can pick it up everywhere, but go to mysticalprayer.com and, um, and pick up, pick up those books, man, Charlie, this, this has been amazing, dude. (laughs) Wow. What a, what a loaded conversation we had here. (laughs) We went a few places. We, we did not pre-discuss any of this, but it was all good. And, um, I like coming on podcasts and, and just chatting about things. And um, I think it's a good space to bounce ideas off, you know, and not necessarily that everything that we said was right or wrong or that we have the um, kind of, what do you call it, the, the, the corner on the market or something, but at least we can discuss things and, you know, have an open mind about stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Because as you know, um, when you're preaching, you need to be preaching truth. So that needs to be coming from... Um, the word of God, and then that needs to be, so the pulpit's not a place to process. And that's one of the things that I love about podcasts is it, it allows for ministers to process through different things without being preachy, without us having to force people to believe us. You know, we are, you and I are both um, solid on the non-negotiables regarding the deity of Christ, regarding the, the authority of scripture, you know, but there like like you were saying earlier tonight there's there's a lot of things that aren't talked about in the bible there's a lot of things that are taking place within the culture there's a lot of things that are that are sketchy that christians have to process through and i and i like the fact that you and i are able to come on here and process through just a lot of stuff that's just that's taking place and the trajectory of where things are going whether it's the church or technology and where we can process these things without having to convince or try to convert people to our way of thinking 
Right. It's the best forum for just open discussion that is available to us right now. And, you know, when you're, like you said, when you're behind a pulpit, you're preaching, you know, the, you know, straight out of the Bible, the word and, and, and you're, some of these topics are not Sunday morning topics. Totally. <laughs> Typically the Sunday morning, um, you know, your church is, is, is not, you know, they need to hear something that, um, is uh, uplifting, edifying in a specific way and not necessarily discussing AI technology and, <laughs> and, uh, the possibility of the mark of the beast and the antichrist and then, or, or going to Mars or all the various wonderful topics that we had fun <laughs> talking about tonight <laughs> that the listener that will be listening to this for two hours or however long this podcast is <laughs> would be like, wow, this is, this is a different side of Darren and Charlie. I've never actually <laughs> right. heard any of these things before. But at least at least people get to have an open mind and they and and they get to think. I that's what I think that has happened in the church. Uh, that is sad is that we don't allow people to think anymore. We teach them how to think, you know, instead Absolutely. of teaching them to think. We tell them what to think instead of saying. You know, presenting ideas and then just saying, hey, think about this. Don't have to necessarily agree with it, disagree with it. Just think about it. And, well, because um, there ten we tend to incentivize judgments for right or wrong within the church. So, for example, usually a sermon is composed of predetermined judgments that are hopefully based off of the Word of God. But let's just be honest, there's a lot of sermons that involve a lot of judgments that aren't biblical at all, right? And we tend to incentivize, we tend to reward that kind of thought. If somebody argues their judgments in a very convincing way, then we reward that with praise. But we don't tend to incentivize people asking good questions and allowing people to come up with, even our whole education system is based off of, this is what you need to believe, this is what the truth is, this is what the facts are, versus teaching our children how to identify problems and how to solve problems using their own creativity, right? It's, it's, it's usually, here's the textbook, memorize it, pass the test, versus saying what problems exist within the world, within the church, come up with your own solutions, pray about it, you know? And so that's where... Um, that's where a conversation like you and I have had tonight might even be just downright scary to people because we're not, there's very few things where we've arrived on a solid judgment tonight regarding these different topics, right? We're just kind of processing through it. Well, right. Well, and, and then you have the, you have the whole, the whole thing of the outrage culture. Mm, yeah. You see what I mean? Like where, like, if you don't think the way I think, then I'm going to like, slam you about it and i think people are afraid sometimes to even speak their mind just to, to let their thoughts out there because they are afraid of being condemned or judged you know what i mean uh, especially in church Absolutely. instead of just saying hey can we just have an open discussion about this topic or this thing and is it okay to talk about it without being completely you know blasted by somebody you know it, it, it's it's i think that it would benefit a lot of christians if they would just you know we'd be able to talk about stuff more and not feel so outraged that we don't we don't agree that we got to voice our opinion you know everybody can have a podcast and everybody can talk about whatever they want 
you know, they don't have to, we don't have to agree. I love everybody. You don't have to agree with everything. Just, you know, just keep loving this in the, in, in, in the center of it and we'll be all right. Come on, man. And that's such a great way to, uh, to wrap it up. Let's keep the conversation alive. Let's create conversations. Let's have conversations with people that we disagree with. Um, let's, uh, let's, let's stay open-minded, uh, in the context that we're not compromising scripture at all, right? We, we know the truth and therefore we don't have to fear truth. If you know truth, you don't have to fear truth. And we do know the truth. The truth is Christ and it's the truth that brings freedom. And it's also the truth that is the love of God, that God is love. And as we stay on that foundation, then we don't have to fear having conversations with even people that we've coined the enemy. You know, we can really, um, we can really bless those who curse us and not be triggered by them because we know the truth and we're operating from a foundation of love. And so like, yeah, I, I think you, I think you said it really well, man. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, it's been good being on. Been good. <laughs> man, we could have kept talking for hours. I know right? I was I mean, say. It's like going on and on and on. We hit so many good stuff, <laughs> so many good subjects. It, I it definitely want to be respectful of your time. I definitely feel like we've accomplished what we set out to do. And so thanks again, man, for, for creating this time in the middle of the night for us to be able to record the kind of conversations we have anyway, but allowing for people to, to be a part of, to kind of witness the kind of stuff that we talk about anyway. And this has been a, a lot of fun, man. Let's do it again. Yeah, definitely, man. Love you, man. Right, it's awesome. Podcasts are definitely trending right now. There are so many brand new podcasts that are hitting the market. And I think that iTunes is kind of overwhelmed. And one of the ways that iTunes aggregates what's hip and relevant from the rest of the noise that's hitting the web is through ratings and reviews. A bunch of you have already taken the time to leave a rating and a review of this podcast. And I just wanted to say thanks. You guys are incredible and you're so supportive and I love you. And if you haven't had a chance to take Take that minute or two to leave a review. If you do that, that'd be incredible. And I've created a shortcut to get you there. It's thedarrenshow.com. That's thedarrenshow.com. You can give it one star, and that means that you think it's kind of lame. Or you can give it five stars, and that means that you think this thing be dope, be tight, be off the chain. So if you would take the minute or two to leave a review, that would be mighty fine of you. Again, it's thedarrenshow.com. Thanks, guys.